in this week's episode. I'm talking to Sarah Goldberg from Objective Paradigm in the US about how she got started in sourcing, what ancient Greek has to do with sourcing, and the tech scene in Chicago. Welcome to episode 22 of the Sourcing Challenge Show. I'm your host, Mark Lundgren. I started off by asking Sarah how she got into sourcing. I got into sourcing um, through research. Um, so the job posting at OP is sourcing and research specialist. So I was looking for basically any research job that would have me kind of like getting ready to be like, okay, I got to go work for like a law firm, wear a suit every day, like corporate America. And one of my friends actually pointed out, she was like, hey, have you like looked at this at all? Like researching people for jobs. And I was like, whoa, I had never even thought of like, recruiting as a job, let alone an industry, let alone like this huge community. Um, so I went to OP, I sort of like, hey, I don't know the first thing about tech. Um, I know that somehow people make stuff and then I use it in my everyday life. Um, and But I do know how Boolean works. I know how to research. I know how to learn. Um, and I know how to like figure out how things go together how people talk about them um, and how to like find stuff. Um, I think the example I used was my degree was in ancient Greek and classics. Um, so one of the classes I took in my senior year was about epigraphy, basically all of the stuff that's written on rocks and how you can read it. And for my final paper, I sort of had to talk about a bunch of different instances in which they've used this like very specific turn of phrase that was basically like be it enacted only in ancient Greek and sort of find it in all of these different dialects and all of these different ways of writing basically across the ancient Mediterranean. And I said, if I can figure out how people who do not know tech at all are basically uploading these files of a type um, into something and say, oh yes, here's where all of these things that I need to look at are, I can figure out the difference between Java and Python and start finding some developers. Um, they were clearly were like, oh, that makes sense. Um, and sort of once I got in, I was like, oh, dang, there's so much. Um, and it sort of just completely blossomed from there of like doing research, learning how, because it is like, I mean, it's nothing that anyone's going to like win any Nobel Prizes for, but it is research. It's still figuring out how do people talk about what they do and what they want to know and how they want to be found and then saying, yes, I will find you and talk to you. Um, so it's pretty cool. So and what were some of your early influences in terms of actually taking what you already knew in terms of mm -hmm. research and turning in that, that into recruitment and, and sourcing knowledge? I mean, we do have a really, really strong training program. Um, so a lot of it was just like going through, listening to Ben and some of the other senior recruiters and sourcers at the time being like, okay, this is how it goes. Um, on the first day that I was at OT, he actually showed me Glenn Cathy's one of his videos that was about implicit search that was, um, and I like it, I saw it recently, um, I think Paisha might have mentioned it, but it's the, he shows an example on LinkedIn where he searches for basically every word that would show someone knows Java mm -hmm. except for the word Java and finds thousands of people. Um, so he like literally was like, here is LinkedIn Recruiter, here's what you need to know about sourcing LinkedIn Recruiter, watch this video like right off the bat i was like okay we are trying to find people who maybe aren't not everyone else is also finding right and here's how we start doing that so definitely that um he showed me 
Source Found Blood, um, ERE, Bullion Black Belt, obviously. Um, and then said like, oh, and there's probably some people out there on Twitter too. So just like go find them. Um, so that was definitely a big part of like, oh, okay. And then there's like Rita Shameva stuff and oh, there's competitions and this Grandmaster Challenge. Who's heard of this? Let's go for it. And then just like making that switch from, okay, we can use Twitter to find how developers are talking to each other to get better at their craft. I'm sure that there are people in sourcing and recruiting who are doing that to start following people be like okay this person's retweeting that person great let's go let's find all of these people who are like sharing stuff that you would never find and having these like great conversations and you're like oh oh yes this is a thing that we can be a part of too very fun you're probably one of the ones that i know is always in those competitions regardless of what time it is chicago like to be doing it um what <laughs> What's been your kind of drive for that? I mean, one, I have never been in any kind of competition where I was like, oh, yes, this was so easy. I can't believe these people didn't know that. Every single time I go, I just like, it's not, it's like learning what you didn't even know you didn't know. So learning new tips, tricks, sites, um, and then just also like learning like the ins and outs of tools that like you rarely use. You're like, oh, you need to learn it. Uh, I think the last SourceFound hackathon, though, that one definitely taught me that I was overthinking things. <laughs> so now sort of even when I'm, like, doing my, like, day-to-day, do-to-do, just sourcing for my clients, I got Steve Levy's voice in my head, like, don't overthink it, Sarah. Don't overthink it. Um, so that, like, also just sort of helps. But sort of saying, like, there's, there's that line of, like, okay, I'm going to learn a ton of new things. I'm going to learn how people do this thing. All this information, like, when you're making a test, you know, someone can find the answer. So the answer is out there. I just need to find it. Um, and then also I am very competitive. So it is nice to be like, okay, where do I stand among all the other comp- like competitors? How like sort of like benchmarking myself against like, okay, yeah, this is, this is about where I sit. And I'm like, okay, decent, not, not the greatest learning, but like still in like a pretty good spot. So that's always, that's also really fun. I remember you talked about kind of the selection of tools and how you went through that mm-hmm. um, in terms of what OP uses and you know what your background was and yeah. in terms of what tools to use. What what are some of the tools that you that you kind of use now and and why did you choose them? Oh man, I knew that was coming. I was like, what should I use? Because we're kind of like sort of paring down our tools right now. We're like, oh gosh, we're using all of these things. Are we actually like getting um, getting the ROI on them? Um, so, like, right now, I've been really heavily focused on, like, our analytics. Mm-hmm. So, we use a tool called Insight Squared, which integrates with Bullhorn and Salesforce. So, if you use either of those two for anything, it's great. Um, unfortunately, if you don't use those two, it's not, it, it doesn't work with them, as far as I know. Um, but sort of going through and, like, manipulating all of our data, see what we can get, um, what we can't get at Insight Squared using, like, Google Sheets. Excel, like I have run so many pivot tables in the last couple of weeks that I'm just sort of kind of forgetting how normal Excel works. It's just like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. do some magic and see what's happening. Um, like doing a lot of that. Um, we did just test a CRM tool and as we were testing it, we're like, we are spending more time managing this tool than we are actually like running our campaigns. We didn't have um, two-way integration into our system. So you'd have to like, 
do it and then go back and find everyone that we just did and say, oh, yes, we did this thing. Um, and it was just this whole, whole mess. But in terms of sourcing candidates, we've been using um, human predictions and seek out and obviously like what we can do on it, like sort of holding that against like what we can do on our own, with, yeah. like GitHub sourcing, just like GitHub, Twitter, Meetup. Um, I think they've both been doing some like pretty, they've been making some pretty exciting changes. Um, definitely like seek out with like, it's the way that they sort of say like, we're going to search GitHub, but we're going to like bring in LinkedIn into it is really, really impressive. Um, and then Human Predictions is like a local Chicago tool that I think is definitely like doing some really good things, making some really good progress um, in that same sort of candidate aggregator space. And what's something that you're working on now that, that you're really excited about? So I am working on actually Objective Paradigm's training program. Um, so it's not quite sourcing, so I don't know how much it counts. Um, but we sort of realized that over the past several years, we've been going through this process where we'll have someone and they say, oh, I want to talk about this thing. So we're going to talk about this thing. And, you know, it's like, get a spot we always reserved um a couple of times a week where we could say hey if we want to have a training happen this is when it's going to happen mm -hmm. um and people can just show up or not show up but we sort of realized that like in the shuffle we had like a ceo said oh this is what a good recruiter is and our president said oh this is what a good recruiter is and our account managers would say oh this is what a good recruiter is and everyone sort of had this idea but no one had like actually written down this is what a good recruiter is mm. um, or this is what a good account manager is or this is what a good sourcer is um, this is what they know this is how we can tell that they know it um, not just like oh yeah I was listening to them the other day and I had a feeling that they were probably good at their job but like oh no they actually have like this competency and this competency and this competency and they like demonstrate it in these like actually objective measurable ways so we're sort of um, still keeping like some of our training going. We don't want to like not train anyone while we do this massive undertaking. Um, but we went through and we said, okay, let's actually put together. This is what a good recruiter is. This is what a, like someone who is really good at their job. This is what they know. This is how they know it. This is how we get them from point A to point B to point C. And this is how we can make sure that they sort of bring everyone else up with them. So when we get to like, oh yeah, this person is probably really advanced at writing email campaigns or whatever, whatever skill we've identified. It's like nine times out of 10, it's okay. They've just practiced it a lot and they can teach it to someone. So then we go and we say, hey, you know, um, someone on the phone said you were really good at prepping candidates before an interview. Would you mind, um, you know, just teaching everyone else exactly how you do this, like this specific thing, you get half an hour, um, use PowerPoint, use whatever you want, use us as resources to help you like develop training. Uh, and we're really excited. We're still in the process of like identifying everything, ruling everything out, creating like a training calendar of, you know, the resources of all the amazing humans I work with. Plus, you know, um, we've explored like, you know, all of the training, like free, what free webinars are there, what um, eBooks, what like blog posts should we have people read creating this massive like library and schedule of everything that we're doing um which is really really exciting to me um, and i think it's going to be really good for op moving forward because we already have like we already know how to do a lot of good training and we're just sort of saying like okay 
we've got this and now we can start and bring in more people than just sorcerers from just mm. scratch. Because that's usually, um, we usually hire entry-level sorcerers and people with about a year of experience in recruiting for um, the, other, the other side of the aisle. Tell me about the dynamic in OP. Like obviously being in a sourcing team that is in an agency, but you still, you work with clients just on the sourcing piece. And then sometimes your client is the agency piece. How, how is that dynamic? Yeah. And you know, how have you kind of changed that over the years as well? The dynamic is like actually pretty solid in the agency side because we've just got it. There's usually, um, we've got a team of, I think, eight sourcers now because we just added one um, two weeks ago. Um, but so there's sort of, Every team, um, you know, we like sort of break up our teams by what kind of clients they work with, um, where they are geographically, all that. Um, so every every team has a sourcer, um, and they usually work like really closely together. Sourcers will go to the team meeting, be like absolutely as integrated into that team as possible. Where it's like, okay, probably that sourcer will know every job that they're working on, certainly what all the high priority jobs are, and just like. The dynamic of okay you know if I find this person they should go to like this person on the mm-hmm. team and if I get a response for something else they'll go to this person on the team when you're on client site it's actually like a group of sourcers who would like just know that they're like we are preparing to be yeah. on client site um it's definitely a I guess it's been around for a couple of years um but like all the newer side considering OP is I think 18 years old almost um <laughs> maybe 19, it's um, already the sourcers on the team that sort of goes support outside of the agency. Like, we sort of got into it by we would sell, um, you know, recruiting services and say, okay, while you're doing this, you can also get 20 hours of sourcing a week um, and sort of having these conversations, especially once you, like, we've had some clients that we've had for years. So you're like, oh, so, you know, you already have this. Why don't we add this, this piece in? And then slowly we started having, you know, sources would come in and like he was hiring managers and they'd still be doing that like internal like OP partnership but suddenly we're like we're kind of client facing and then it sort of grew into that where we realized you know sometimes the neat like the clients have really solid recruiting teams they don't need to add in an extra recruiter um, they just need more sourcing um, and we're like oh well, you know we could actually probably just handle that um, so we get, you know, training and account management, being client-facing, like, this is what you need to know, this is how you do an intake call, um, go in with Ben, director, our director of research, for, like, the first couple of calls and say, okay, this is what we need, this is what you need to know, um, this is what we need to know from you, <laughs> making sure that everyone knows, like, what's going on, what the cadence is going to be, what um, what's expected, and we do, like, we do sort of our line of like, this is sourcing services. And if you do want people to get on the phone and you want people to start screening people and running them through the, cr- the process, then really you should be talking to the dedicated recruiting side. Um, so we do like have, make sure that like that is clear that that is a service that we offer. It's just not a service that like our team offers. Once we get that set up, it just is any other um, client engagement. It's we have the same sort of check-ins as the recruiters do. We make sure that, you know, everyone feels good about like what we're doing. We've been used to working with recruiting partners through OPs. It's just sort of like, when you get there, you say, okay, here's what we need from you in order for this to be a really good partnership. And I, I like to say, usually when we get started, it's, you know, all of those times when hiring managers have just shot down candidates and said, oh, no, I just don't like them. And how frustrating that is for you as a recruiter. 
you need to know that sometimes like that's what it feels like on the sourcing side is that there's yeah. just this other layer of some other person who can just like make a decision and um if you like feel that and say okay this is what i need to know when you're giving me feedback then it just gets so wonderful and i've had some really really great partnerships um at clients and internally with just like recruiters at op who like absolutely get it and we've managed to get very very fine-tuned where we're on exactly the same page like looking for candidates teeing up calls like making placements um very in tandem which is just really really great feeling to have so tell me about chicago i mean obviously doing yeah. tech in chicago if people haven't you know done that before what are some of the differences that they need to think about i mean i think there's a tendency to go for like Chicago has a couple of like tech giants. Uh, I guess they're not giants in the way that like Seattle or San Francisco has like tech giants. I guess we have like a corporate office of Google and like Facebook. Um, I think Twitter, like we do have, you know, the big, big names are there, but they're um, very like, small offices. And it's usually like their sales offices in Chicago with like three or four developers. Um, it's not quite the same as it is like in San Francisco. So like, Look at getting your head around to like tech landscape. Um, most of the like of Chicago's like really good companies are probably around you know probably a couple thousand max, um, which means that you get a lot of like really good. I'm not even sure if that counts as like a small and medium business, but <laughs> that's it's just a different scale when you're comparing against Amazon. Um, so you're getting people who are usually going from like smaller shops where they have like a huge say in everything that happens because even if you're a couple thousand if you're like a fairly senior developer there um most most shops that at least as far as i know it's like and like as it gets communicated to me like the huge driving factor for people is they get to have a huge say in what they do what they build mm -hmm. like what tools people use you've got a, a really really solid open source com community um you'll find people um all over chicago in like whether it's in like a tiny, tiny startup or, you know, as big as Chicago gets being like, oh, we're just going to create this front end framework because we want to. Um, we're going to be committing to Hadoop and Apache and all of these great things. And like, we're doing that because that's what we're working on. Um, like that's what we're working on and we want to share it. Um, like all of that is really, really great. Um, so, you, but you do have people who like, their, their driving factor probably when they're moving isn't like, okay, we want to move from like one big shop to another big shop. It's we want to go from somewhere where we have a lot of say to somewhere we can continue to have a lot of say and maybe even more say. Um, and it is like, there are definitely, there are like lists of like great, great companies in Chicago and like they all know each other and they all host each other at meetups. Um, and it's, it's kind of, it's like a comparatively small world, um, which I think is for the best because you can actually get to like, um, even if your company is like a couple hundred to like, like a couple hundred people or I mean, slightly larger, but like not like 20,000, it's really good to be, it's really good to feel like, okay, you know, you can know what they're working on. Like I think probably some of like our biggest company, like our biggest Chicago companies where like the tech actually like sits in Chicago mostly is like Groupon where, you're like, okay, this is like a pretty big company. They certainly have tons of employees working on like great things that are publicly traded. Um, but like probably most people know each other, you know, or at least especially like on the tech teams. Or at least that's my sense of it, not yeah. having worked at Groupon. Figuring out how to like differentiate yourself among this community and um, that everyone talks to each other. 
Um, they're great, great, like community flex, I think. Um, and certainly people come to, um, I guess, segueing a little bit. Hopefully this doesn't get into like so much self-promotion, but like Chicago tech meetups are actually like pretty big and like well attended. Um, and there are obviously there's like meetups for whatever language you're using that gets very, very good attendance. But there's also like cute, um, queer tech clubs, which is like my little baby. Um, but we get, we have 2,500 members and we get a hundred people a month, every month who show up. And, um, I always check, you know, how many people here are new versus how many people are returning because they want to come back. And it's usually like 75% of the people are coming back. Um, I think we had like, sometimes if you go, we went to Nielsen's office. Uh, I guess Nielsen might be one of those larger um, larger companies in in Chicago. They have like four floors of their own building and they're all tech. Um, And they did they hosted their first but they, they hosted their first meetup was a QTC meetup um and that one was like we can go inside Nielsen because they didn't host a lot of meetups before um and that one I think got a lot of new new people to show up um but it was also still it was also still like even then we got probably 30 like probably 50 50 um and it wasn't because fewer like fewer people returned. It was just because we had more people show up than usual. And you're like, okay, I can deal with this. Yeah. Um, How long have you been running those, by the way? So I've been running QTC. So actually, I did take it over from um, a guy named Luke Hogan who used to run it, and then he like went to focus on his own startup. And just mm-hmm. between like being the CTO of a startup, you just do not have the time to run it, to organize events. Um, totally get it. Um, but I've been running it since about January, 2017. Okay. Um, so, and in that time we've thrown, we've added at least a thousand members and we went from being like, okay, you can reliably get 40 to 60 people to show up per event that happens like once every three months or so to reliably getting a hundred people to show up to an event that happens at least once every month. Wow. Um, so it definitely has had a lot of growth, which I'm very, very proud of. So you're, you're okay, speaking so. at SourceCon Atlanta. Tell me about what you're, what you're going to be talking about there. Yeah, I'm giving a session. Uh, it's on a, the anonymous track on Wednesday. And I'm going to be talking about how you can bring um, A-B testing and iterating your search, basically how you can bring that strategy into your sourcing um, without spending an arm and a leg on these hugely expensive like marketing technologies. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And it's going to be a really great one. If people want to stay in contact with you, Sarah, and see what you're on about, uh, where can they best do that? Yeah, I'm at Sarah E. Goldberg basically everywhere, Um, especially Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Probably Twitter is where I'm most active, um, which is a mix of my whole online self. Um, So it is it is recruiting and it is some stuff that's not recruiting. I will I will admit, Um, but that's probably the best place. Um, Sarah with an H. Perfect. Look, thank you very much. Okay. And, uh, I look yeah, thank you. you soon again.